Please listen carefully. Psych Essentials is a show about learning psychiatry. It's fun and educational, but should not be taken as medical advice or opinion. So kick back and try not to worry about those glaring ego deficits. We like you anyway. Hey, Lindsay. Hey, James. We're back for another episode of Psychopathology. That's right. Let's kick it off with some music. I'm so happy because today from my friends are in my head. I'm so ugly. That's okay because so are you. That's right. That song is called Lithium and it's by Nirvana. Now, Lizzie, I've heard that song many times before, but I had no idea it was called Lithium. I agree. I actually had no idea it was called Lithium until I did a little bit of research about songs that are speculated to capture some of the experiences of someone with bipolar disorder. Okay, so I know that lithium is a mood stabilizer, so we could talk about that, but was there anything lyrically there that, that sort of stood out to you as like, maybe this is indicative? Yeah, I think so. I mean, the first few lyrics capture this this fluctuation of mood. Kurt Cobain writes, I'm so happy because today I found my friends. They're in my head. I'm so ugly, but that's okay because so are you. We've broken our mirrors. So right there, you're going from happy to ugly. And later on, he talks about I'm so lonely and I'm not sad, but I'm not sure. I'm so excited. The lyrics up and down, up and down, up and down. And that's why it's speculated that perhaps this is getting at this mood fluctuation that's characteristic of bipolar disorder. And even listening, the song moves from an introspective soft quality to a loud, ragey rock sound. Exactly. So possibly going from more introspective depression to agitated mania. Hmm. Interesting. Maybe you could start us off. What is bipolar disorder? Bipolar disorder is a chronic mood disorder with alternating periods of high moods and low moods. And these high moods are commonly referred to as mania or hypomania, and the low moods are often called depression. One of the important things to know about these mood states in bipolar is that they are sustained. In other words, they last days on end and not just minutes to hours. And so we're talking about a bipolar illness, so meaning like two poles. Last episode, we were talking about depression. Sometimes people call that unipolar depression. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is that implying that they're they're not moving between like one spectrum and exactly. the other? Exactly. Whereas bipolar depression suggests that this is a person who experiences these fluctuations in the, the poles of, the, of our moods, so to speak. And bipolar disorder is something you might have heard before. When I was writing the script for this episode, there were a bunch of kind of common internet memes that I saw. And one that stood out said, bipolar people are easy. If you don't like their current mood, just wait a few minutes and it will change. Is that accurate? In colloquial terms, people tend to think about bipolar that way. But that's not exactly what true bipolar one or bipolar 
2 disorder really is. It's possible that you can see that mood fluctuation, that kind of rapid minute-to-minute mood fluctuation in someone with bipolar disorder, but it's actually not part of the diagnostic criteria. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that. So it's not really just moody. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. It's like sustained mood episodes. Okay. So let's then go to the DSM because it seems like that's that that's our main source of these criteria. There's bipolar 1 and there's bipolar 2. Could you break that down a little bit for us? Yeah. So let's first start with bipolar 1. The main criteria for bipolar 1 is that the patient has to have experienced a manic episode. And actually, bipolar 1 can be diagnosed after a single manic episode. There's no requirement that you have to have had a depressive episode before it's diagnosed. So really, the key thing to look for here is the manic episode it's important then to really define what is a manic episode, if that's kind of like the key feature for diagnosing it. Yeah. And what is that? What does a mania look like? Let's talk about what the DSM criteria is for mania. So first, you have to have a persistently elevated, expansive, or irritable mood, as well as increased activity or energy. So elevated mood means you feel like great. You're like, my mood is fantastic. Expansive mood means that... I also think of it as being somewhat euphoric and just like kind of broad, broad, like, exactly. Like wow, like things are great, things and are you're great, and going you're kind from of here to there. Okay, yeah. And irritable mood is irritable, being, being grumpy. Yeah, also very, good. very grumpy. So persistently, either elevated, euphoric, expansive, irritable, as well as increased energy. Last, the important thing here is that these things are sustained and they're lasting at least a week. Okay. So just like the for depression, there's Siggy caps, there's dig fast for mania. Mm-hmm. So in addition to the change in mood and energy level, you also have to have three of the dig fast symptoms. So let's go through them. The D stands for distractibility. And you can ask patients about this by asking them, do you feel more easily distracted right now? You can also notice if they're easily distracted. It's something that can sometimes be apparent if they're not able to participate in the interview. Okay. The I stands for indiscretion or impulsivity. And this gets at kind of the impulsive behaviors that you can see in mania. So, for example, someone engaging in an unrestrained spending spree, having sex with lots of random people, flying across the country, traveling all over. Okay. So both being impulsive and doing things that are rash and I would say maybe not a great idea. Exactly. Kind of doing these things that are out out of character for them. Okay. So the G stands for grandiosity. How would you ask somebody about that? You can ask something like, do you feel more confident than normal right now? Or do you feel like you have any special talents or powers? And I've gotten a lot of yeses to that. People will say, I'm going to... Feed all of the hungry is a woman, what I had a woman said, and then she started to make a lot of sandwiches. So that both fit grandiosity because she somehow felt like she could feed every homeless person in the country. And it also, she was impulsive because she went out and bought a ton of bread, which was in like an unreasonable amount of bread, and just started making sandwiches. That's a great example. The F in DigFast stands for flight of ideas. And so this is getting at that really rapid uh, thought process. So you can ask someone, do you feel like your thoughts are going really fast right now and racing through your mind? Okay. James, what does the A stand for? 
The A is for sandwiches. <laughs> Just kidding. The A is for activity, but it goes back to sandwiches because A is for activity. Are you doing more things than normal? Are you so energetic that you have lots of projects that you're working on? Are you staying awake, doing lots of tasks? People will describe, you know, having goals that they've set out to accomplish all of a sudden. Yeah. One manic person I spoke to recently really enjoyed moving furniture at night, like all over the house every night. Sometimes this activity happens a lot, but it's not very successful. The guy who I saw like painting his room and he did it, but it was not painted very well. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. That's what you're doing, but doesn't mean that you're doing a great job of it. You just feel like you got to do it. Right. According with that, so the S in dig fast is for? Sleep. So decrease sleep. And this isn't just like I can't sleep, like I have insomnia, but like truly a decreased need for sleep. And I think that's an important thing, uh, especially when you're first familiarizing yourself with bipolar disorder to, to clarify when you're asking patients about this. A good question to ask is, do you need less sleep than normal to feel rested? Yeah. Or how much sleep did you get? And they'll say, oh, I didn't sleep at all. And you say, oh, how are you feeling this morning? And they'll say, oh, I feel great. Right. So decreased need for sleep. And then what does the final T stand for? Talkativeness. Are you talking more than normal? Are you talking faster than normal? Sometimes I'll ask people, has anyone else told you, wow, you're talking really fast? Sometimes people won't notice it in themselves. Yes, absolutely. So dig fast. You need three of those symptoms as well as the elevated or irritable mood and the increased energy. The important thing here is that the episode causes severe functional impairment in their relationships, their ability to work or go to school. If it ends up leading to a hospitalization that automatically qualifies as a manic episode or if it's accompanied by psychotic features like that grandiosity where you believe that you're Jesus Christ, that's also consistent with a manic episode. So if that's bipolar one, and we said that the main feature there is mania, straight up, straight up mania. mania. What's bipolar two? Okay, so bipolar two is a little bit different. You have to meet criteria for an episode of major depression, which we talked about in the last episode, as well as a hypomanic episode. If you have a manic episode at all ever, you're automatically a bipolar one. You are no longer bipolar two. A hypomanic episode is a little bit different from a manic episode in that it's not as severe. The symptoms are not quite as functionally impairing, and it also doesn't need to last as long. So the symptoms need to be sustained still, but they have to last at least four days. They don't have to last at least a week like a manic episode i saw a woman who was staying up and she wouldn't stay up quite all night but she was staying up and she was working on a knitting project or a sewing project like a crafting kind of thing and she was staying up and she was working on it and she was holding a job although her job gave her a lot of flexibility in terms of like when she come in the morning so she had kind of cut back her hours a little bit but she was holding her job and she felt like this had really just ramped up in the last few days and there was kind of periods of it that happened every you know every three months or so and and often kind of around certain stressors in her life and so that to me was more convincing for a hypomanic episode yeah. than true mania. Definitely, definitely. I think one of the key things to get out of this is that not everything that calls itself bipolar is actually bipolar one or two disorder. And so be appropriately skeptical when you see either of those diagnoses in the chart and just make sure that you do your own diagnostic interview and think what else could this be and is this consistent with the criteria for bipolar one or two. 
And so we'll briefly talk about some of those differential conditions that you can think about. James, why don't you talk about uh, a few of the other things you might think about? All right. In terms of other mood disorders, you think about cyclothymia. That's in our diagnostic statistical manual. Mm -hmm. That's alternating high and low moods, but they don't quite meet criteria for even hypomania or a major depression. People who have this condition, they kind of cycle. It has to go on for more than a couple of years. They have to have the mood symptoms fairly often, but they don't really last as long as you might otherwise expect. Sort of like a lower grade, a tamp down kind of condition. I've never diagnosed anyone with that. I think it would be kind of hard to find someone to meet criteria, but it, it is a diagnostic entity. That exists. Yes. What else exists? Borderline personality disorder is a personality disorder where one of the key features is rapid emotional dysregulation, kind of on the minute to minute basis, where you'll be really happy and euphoric one minute and then really mad the next. It you tend to see this mood liability. And you're describing that happens a little faster and it's a little more reactive to what's going on around them. Exactly, exactly. And so that could be a way to differentiate. Right. So with this, look at whether or not the the mood symptoms are sustained lasting days. You can't have bipolar and borderline at the same time. You'll also probably see other characteristics of the, the borderline personality disorder. We'll talk more about that in the future. Yeah. Other things to keep in mind is substance use. You can see symptoms that look an awful lot like mania and depression and the mood fluc- rapid mood fluctuations. The highs, the lows. Yes, exactly. So always ask about substance use. And then the last is just temperament kind of personality, but not necessarily a disordered temperament or personality. Like sometimes people kind of have a hot limbic system and they're just a little bit more reactive. Okay, so if we've talked a little bit about what this disorder is and what it's not, how would you treat this? Let's talk about treatment in broad strokes because it's pretty complex and we're not going to get into the nitty gritty details here. But in general for bipolar disorder, there are three phases of illness treatment. One for the manic phase, one for the depressive phase, and one for the maintenance phase to prevent further recurrence of mood episodes. So let's talk about treatment of mania briefly here. We'll often start a combination of medications. The um, agent of choice is an atypical antipsychotic. We have the best evidence for these for the treatment of acute mania they work the fastest and that's why we tend to use them you'll often see olanzapine or risperidone used here olanzapine is especially helpful because it's sedating and simultaneously we'll also often start a mood stabilizer at the same time that we start the antipsychotic with the idea that this will help them more in the long term to prevent recurrence of their manic symptoms Okay. What about for maintenance and sort of a longer term treatment? For maintenance, uh, we use mood stabilizers. Lithium is the gold standard, especially for bipolar one, but you'll also see Depakote or Lamictal use. You often will see antipsychotics used here for maintenance treatment, although we don't have a lot of evidence for long term use. Ideally, mood stabilizers are what we aim, aim to use here. And we talked about mood stabilizers back in our psychopharmacology section. Yeah. Now, what if somebody had a bipolar illness and they were non-medic, but they were depressed? 
So to treat bipolar depression, we often use antipsychotics. So clearly a mainstay of all phases of treatment. And certain ones have been shown to be more helpful and actually have an FDA approval for use in bipolar depression. So these include Seroquel, lorazidone. There's also this combination pill that uses olanzapine and fluoxetine that is FDA approved for bipolar depression. You'll also see lamictal used as well. Lithium sometimes? Lithium sometimes, yep. What about just an antidepressant? Because, you, again, you're treating depression, right? Right. So using an unopposed antidepressant, meaning without an antipsychotic or a mood stabilizer also on board, is actually potentially dangerous for someone with bipolar 1 disorder or even bipolar 2 disorder because it can precipitate a manic episode. So it can actually kind of switch their mood episode from depression into the other spectrum. So I would avoid antidepressants, especially in bipolar one. Sometimes you'll see them used in bipolar two, provided that that mood stabilizer is also on board. And then one last thing to remember is that psychotherapy is also an excellent option to use for treatment of bipolar or unipolar depression. It's not just medications. And so bipolar med management, as you can probably tell, is, is very complex. And these are really only the basics. You'll often see lots of polypharmacy here as patients fluctuate through the different phases. And the ideal here would be to have someone on a monotherapy with a mood stabilizer. But in practice, it's kind of rare that you see that. It may be possible. Yeah. Now that we've talked about treatment, let's switch gears here and talk about what it's like to actually experience this illness, especially with regard to the manic phase, since we've talked a lot about depression in our past episode. So there are many famous people who have suffered from bipolar disorder, Carrie Fisher, Catherine Zeta-Jones, Demi Lovato, just to name a few. And there are a couple of quotes that I was able to find on the internet that I thought captured the manic state very well, and I'll, I'll read them to you. This one is by Shannon Mullen, who wrote about bipolar disorder in her book, See What Flowers. She wrote, My mind feels like a race car on the track, getting faster and faster every time I pause to think or blink or try to focus on anything. Nothing can keep up to it, not the other cars, not my body, not anyone else in the bar. It's a rush, pure exhilaration, and I'm having the time of my life. But instead of driving, I'm in the passenger seat along for the ride, watching myself race around the track from my bar stool. The second quote is by Ka Hancock, who wrote about bipolar disorder in her book, Dancing on Broken Glass. And she writes, I want to be more productive, funnier, better, and I can do all that while I'm climbing. But I can't sustain it. I have to crash, and I know the crash is coming. I can taste it, but I can't stop it. Well, actually, I can, but I always think I have more time to stop it until I don't. And then I fall fast and hard and disappoint just about everybody. So I think that both quotes capture just what it feels like to be manic and kind of out of control and to know that that precipitous drop into depression is coming. Absolutely. Talking about that rush, the sort of sense of exhilaration. Mm -hmm. With that kind of background in mind, I'm wondering, how do you interview somebody who's who you suspect might be manic? Let's talk about some tips. So I think one thing to, to recognize here is that it's often pretty fun to interview a euphoric manic patient. They're actually some of my favorite patients to interview. And notice your countertransference here, how you feel when you're around them. You actually might start to feel somewhat giddy and euphoric yourself when you're interviewing them. 
Another thing to note is that these patients can be a little all over the place. Their thought process is really rapid and tangential. And so these patients will likely need a lot of redirection from you. And your job as an interviewer is to provide the structure and containment that their mind can't right now kind of in in the manic state and you'll probably need to interrupt them a lot and many patients do just fine with this and can tolerate it and some can't and you'll you know quickly get a sense of what your patient is like but you're saying it's okay to interrupt somebody and sort of redirect them back on track if they've gotten totally afield absolutely it is i would say it's important to do with a manic patient And as with all patients, I do find it helpful to start the interview with an open-ended question, like, how can I help you today? What brought you into the emergency department? Whatever the situation might be. And from then, you learn a lot just from your mental status exam. You'll be able to observe how quickly their thoughts are moving, if they're tangential, if there's any grandiosity. And again, just have a low threshold to redirect. If they're kind of going off, you're not learning any new irrelevant information. When you sense that, now is the time to jump in and and redirect the patient and get the information that you need. Hey, so Lindsay, I just wanted to kind of interrupt you there. Maybe I can move on to another topic here. Ah, was I tangential? (laughs) I was not learning any new information. Okay, but I also wanted to add that it's okay to ask short questions and sometimes they'll lose track of long-winded questions. Yes, I I tend to be a little bit long-winded when I ask questions and I have to be very... um, Deliberate. Deliberate, thank you. Be very deliberate and measured when I'm asking my questions of a manic patient. You may get a sense if the person is really impaired and even though you've tried gently interrupting and redirecting that you're just not getting a lot of information. And so it's okay to keep a relatively short interview, get some key information and even be worth thinking about ahead of time. What am I going to want to know here? And then the other things you may be able to get from either their family members or other people that they know, people that know them in their life and, and have been able to observe this. Right. It's okay if it's a short interview. If you're if you're doing your best, you're not able to get any new information just because they're so pressured you can't interrupt them whatsoever. Mm-hmm. You'll learn a lot from your mental status exam like I mentioned before. So James, why don't you summarize some of our, the key points from this episode for us? Bipolar disorder is a disorder that has emotion and that are high and there are periods where somebody is low, but it happens over days, weeks. This is like a long period of time and it's not, it's not somebody's mood changing in the order of like minutes or hours. That is not the bipolar illness. Mm-hmm. Be a little skeptical if you read about this. Do your own evaluation. Make sure that the person meets the criteria of the, the illness that you're, you're diagnosing them. When you talk with somebody and you're trying to get some of this information, you may well need to redirect them during the interviews. And don't be afraid. Jump in, provide them some structure, and, and understand that their mind right now is, is not able to provide them with that same sense of structure. Bipolar treatment is pretty complicated. You may see somebody that's just on a single mood stabilizer like lithium, or you may see somebody who's on a few different medications, like you're saying, Lindsay, to kind of address the different phases of treatment. All right. And so let's wrap up this episode with a quote from Carrie Fisher, who wrote a fair amount about her experience with bipolar disorder. So she wrote, At times, being bipolar can be an all-consuming challenge, requiring a lot of stamina and even more courage. So if you're living with this illness and functioning at all, it's something to be proud of, not ashamed of. They should issue medals along with a steady stream of medication. Which I thought was... 
accurate and humorous. I like that. Well, thanks for listening to this episode. This has been episode two of our series on major psychiatric illnesses. Stay tuned next time. We're going to be talking about schizophrenia. Meanwhile, you can check out our website. Let us know what you'd like to hear more about in the future and leave us any sort of comments. Our website is www.psychessentials.org. You can also follow us. We're on Facebook and on Twitter at Psych Essentials. You can check us out on iTunes where you can rate, comment, and share with all of your friends, families, loved ones. Our music is by Javier Suarez off his album Tumbling Dishes. There's a link on our website. As usual, people, places, details have been changed to protect confidentiality. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Till next time. Bye. Bye.